thing, is this thing on? We decide like a minute before who's gonna host. I'm thinking like cargo shorts with a bunch of pockets for all my flasks. The border guard looked at us like we were insane and they're like, where did you put all this beer? Did the Spanish immigrate to Rome? Was that a thing? So we might have wrecked the corner of the table. You'd have to drink a couple of them to get white bill wasted. I can't even say it like how you say it. It's a fact. A real factual fact. Pub chat. Going on a bender. One podcast at a time. Good evening and welcome to this episode of Pub Chat. I'm here with Colin Inquist, your not as regular host recently. No, you've been doing, uh, you've been hosting doing a, a much few... better job. Yeah, I've <laughs> actually been hosting a few episodes, which is ridiculous. And our guest this evening is Steve, Beer Ideas on Twitter, our resident BJCP certified beer judge. Is there, There's not many of you in Winnipeg, is there? Uh, to my knowledge, there's two, possibly three, and there's three or four of us looking to certify in September. Very okay. Nice. It's very difficult to get a judging slot right now. They're, they're booked in advance up to two years in most locations. Oh, wow. Wow. Holy crap. Because I know, I mean, I remember that we met at the um, judging thing. Yeah. The homebrew competition last year. And it seemed almost everybody for, was from out of town. Yeah, for the most part. Pretty much. A lot of folks come in from Regina to help us, and we go there to help them. Right, right. And, uh, yeah, small community and... Folks here in the prairies don't have it quite as good as the folks on the coast or uh, the, the center of the universe there in Ontario. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this evening we're going to be drinking uh, Nola Brown Ale, which is a 3.9% brown ale. Um, so it's a proper session beer, which I'm really excited for. Colin says it's really good. Um, I liked it. I keep in mind that I was in New Orleans drinking it as I was walking around everywhere. So <laughs> We saw the, the evidence. The, yeah. <laughs> the experience definitely played in how much I liked it, I'm sure. Um Let's crack it. I'm thirsty. You're the host. You have oh. to pour the beers. Great. <laughs> I'm loving this already. <laughs> it's pretty informal. Knowing us, we should be. Yes. <laughs> so uh, when I was in New Orleans, Tell us about we it. also went to the brewery, um, and I actually had they brewed a cask of this with maple syrup and cinnamon, and it was pretty good. Quite dark. Uh, sorry to interrupt, but is that nitro? <laughs> <laughs> it's quite a fine head. Uh, I'm just saying. I, I think that was just the excellent skills of the person doing the pour. Uh, perhaps. <laughs> That's not nitro, is it? No, no but it's, very, it's quite fine. I was going to say it is yeah. quite fine, yeah. Um, yeah, quite a good head, I think, really. Um, kind of a red hue to it. Pretty fairly dark brown. It's pretty opaque, actually. Yeah. Holy shit. Very slight ruby uh, highlight to it. Yeah. What do you know about these folks, Nola Brewing? I hadn't heard about them since until uh, th- you folks had been there. The, I mean, that, I was, didn't go. that was basically that was basically my first experience with them too. I had never heard of them other than like Kevin talking about them a little bit, um, saying that they make some good beers. Um, so this was this was actually the first beer I had when I was in New Orleans. We we got there and. The bar by our hotel walked in, grabbed a couple beers, and walked out. Uh, walked down the street, and this was what I. I was like, "Ooh, brown ale. I'm I'm good with that." That's quite surprising. It's not nearly as hopped as they would have expected an no. American version to be. Mm-hmm. Very much more in line with well, yeah, English, Cascale, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's yeah, it's like an English mild almost. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think they have kind of variations on the same sort of thing, right? Now. Yeah, mild and brown. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But it's nice that they're like, it's, it's, I mean, it's not light bodied, but it's lighter medium bodied, I guess. Yeah. But it's, 
it's got a lot of flavor for you know three point nine percent. And yeah, on a technical yeah. standpoint, that's really hard to do. This is this is yeah. a very solid beer. I like this. Approved. Approved. And it's definitely more, I think, an English style than than a American, than American style. Oh, certainly. Yeah. Because there's very little like hops there at all. I mean, that's usually my complaint with a lot of the English style, like pale ales and brown ales. I like a bit more hops and that's not really what they're about. Oh, yeah, certainly if when you go back home, right? Yeah. How um, about uh, when you typically get a cask ale, is that hopped in the cask still or is that an old-fashioned tradition now? Um, no, not usually. Like mo- most of them would be, most of the cask beer tastes similar to like the bottle beer, just okay. you know, lower combination and sometimes cask condition, but... I guess always cast condition, um, but they don't hop like they don't dry hop it in there or anything like that. Okay. Apparently, you folks did before the war. So I, I read in a few books here and there. <laughs> oh, really? It I have no idea. Not unusual, apparently. Huh. That's interesting. I wonder why they stopped doing that. Well, it's a it, it's a cost driven decision, likely, right? Probably. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, people probably got used to drinking it without the hops, and then they thought, well, why are we going to put them back in again? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> So this evening, uh, in addition to drinking this beer, we're going to be talking about beer styles and how important we think they are, uh, how important they're not, how <laughs> is it okay to like name new styles? Where, where how do we want to start this? I think this kicked off with um, somebody posted on Twitter a link to a golden stout. Oh, oh this is right. The stone, was it stone? The stone boys, yeah. yes. Yeah. yeah. So what? So basically, what they had tried to do is make something that looked like a pale ale, um, or even lighter than that, and but have it taste like a stout. And I think what they did is they used coffee to achieve that. If I'm I think so, a yeah. lot of them do, yeah. 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 So obviously, golden stout is not a real style per se, according to you know the BJCP or you know anybody else. Um. But it is kind of useful in conveying to consumers what what it's what, what it they're is. trying to go for. Steve, what do you think? I, think I know you feel strongly about this. <laughs> <laughs> Full disclaimer: Yes, I feel that styles are important, but there are many flaws with the current system. Right. Um, typically, to the average consumer, all the way up to the professional, the idea of a stout would be a beer with some sort of roasted malts in it, right? Mm-hmm, it should yeah. be dark in color and right. taste of, of, of anywhere from ashtray to chocolate and coffee. Yeah. And so the idea of seeing a blonde beer that contains no roast, there are other ways to describe that beer other than saying it's a stout. Yeah. Right. No, I get that. Yeah, I, I think, I was trying to think about, I was thinking about this and I can't come up with a better way of saying it, but I guess there must be. I mean, what would you say? Like coffee pale ale? Well, certainly you'd have to comment on the fact that it contains coffee, wouldn't you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. And um, I get it. Part of it, it's a it's marketing ploy, and I understand that. They're in the business of selling beer. Yeah. It makes perfect sense. They're also working with, uh, for instance, in the, the, the instance of the BJCP, a style guideline book that's, like, 2008 was the latest update. I think right. So, something like that. Things have evolved so much in craft beer in North America just in the last three or four years. Mm-hmm. So many new styles are coming out. New styles, new hops, new yeah. new ways of making uh, roasted grains or, or specific malts that never existed before. And then bringing back really old-fashioned stuff. Yeah. So what um, does the BJCP just take a really long time to update it? They can't keep up? What's the... 
What's the problem? <laughs> it, it would certainly seem to be that uh, and it's being uh, spearheaded by uh, Gordon Strong, considered the grandmaster, granddaddy, grand poobah, yeah. <laughs> big wizard, what, whatever his title is, of the uh, BJCP. He's leading the charge and he's admitted over the years to this, some serious flaws to it. And I think the nature of the, the the redesign that's ongoing right now was such a big project. I think it kind of got shelved for too long. Oh, okay. They um, just kept putting it off. Absolutely. And so now they're trying to catch up, basically. draft, and make yeah. it yeah more yeah. inclusive for everybody. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, every new draft, they're like, oh shit, we forgot about this one. Absolutely. Yeah, a new style yeah. comes out, right. or whatever it is. So for those who don't know, the BGCP started in the mid-80s, I think, right? Late or early 90s? Yeah, it was an offshoot of the AHA, which started in 78 or 79. Um, with, what was the original goal? To just categorize beer or to introduce this, this standard? Or it it started as an offshoot of the Craft Brewers Association. So mm-hmm. the American Home Brewers Association kind of with a little brother. Right. And then, of course, yeah, folks who make beer share beer. And then the next thing you know, you got to find a way to judge it. And apparently in some of the very first beer competitions, if you will, they had two categories. Holy shit, really? Lager and ale. Wow. Wow. And so and therein highlights our problem. Yeah. I mean, you can't really get much simpler than that. (laughs) (laughs) Beer. They weren't wrong, per se, I guess. It's going to fall into one of them. Absolutely. But then you're looking to compare... Within those two styles, uh, beers that should never really even be discussed. Yeah, yet. and I, I think that's kind of part of the problem that I kind of saw with the current BGCP, and obviously it's old and it needs to be updated. But you know, when we were judging in in September, it you know there were some some of the specialty categories and some of the like the fruit beers and stuff. There were some categories that, that were so broad, you, you could be tasting five entirely different beers that had nothing yep. to do with each other. Yep. And Absolutely. You, you know, you don't, you can't really compare them because they're, they're all, so so different. Yeah, yeah. I will still never forget the time I tasted a cucumber flavored saison. <laughs> I had it's everything they said it would be. <laughs> <laughs> too cute, too much cucumber? No, just a little bit. <laughs> I had a cucumber saison from Cigar City a couple of years ago, and everybody raves about it. And I had it, and I'm like. This tastes like fizzy cucumber. It's disgusting. <laughs> For those folks who like the vitamin water, I can understand the allure to it. Yeah. Well, because Lloyd brought back a couple from BC Breweries. I don't remember what the breweries were, but he brought back two, and we did like a side-by-side, and uh-huh. one of them was not very good at all. But the other one, I was like, I could actually see myself drinking this. So, I, I mean, I guess there is that, like, if you do hit it right on the head, it is pretty tasty. But it's one of those things like it can just go the other way really quickly. In uh, in competitions, a handful of us who who, who judge regularly have a, a big laugh over the spice herb vegetable category, which, yeah. as you just touched on, is incredibly wide open. And so we develop our own little language of horrible things to say to each other when <laughs> somebody gets stuck judging that category. Because you're right, you can get everything from a fantastic fruit beer to somebody who thought they would put in a Simon and Garfunkel song in a bottle. <laughs> <laughs> True story. I've seen it done a couple of times. Uh, doesn't seem to work. What uh, would you say that there is a worst or sort of one of the worst beers that you've had in that in that sort of category? What kind of flavor um, combination are we talking in? Spice beers is a trend that comes back and forth within uh, uh, society as a whole. It's mm-hmm. got a cycle to it. And then within that, there's there's a little segment of folks who like to make their pepper beers or chili beers. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
some were done really well. They're they're a lot of fun. The Rogue product I think was it was pretty pretty good one, a lot of fun. Um, but having one that tastes like exclusively jalapeno pepper juice mm-hmm. is not very. It was <laughs> it was a horrible experience. Um, it was. You'd be hard pressed to say it was a beer. You would say it was some sort of fizzy water infused with, oh, with pepper wow. juice. Oh, because I'm yeah, I'm trying to think. Commercio had the, obviously the rogue one that we had recently, and then I've had the. Well, I brought back the ghost face killer, killer yes, and the Billy's Chili's one that they also brew, which I really like that one. I haven't had that one. The ghost face killer was not it was that like I mean I I bought it to cook like to make a chili with like I didn't and I was like I'm gonna have a sip before I put it in the chili and that was it. it. It's Absolutely. really really good. Yeah. It's it? stupidly spicy. Yeah, yeah. It's it's one of those things that you know the brewer gets a little uh, perhaps arrogant saying I can do this. Yeah. yeah. Just because you can doesn't necessarily mean you should. They worked great in Chile, that's for sure. But, but do you think that maybe they're just brewing that for the, um, just to be able to say, oh, I brewed this ridiculously spicy beer? I mean, they're not, at that point, there's, there's no way that brewer is doing that thinking this is going to taste good. It has to be at least partially ego-driven, and I admit, yeah. I bought a couple of bottles to give away yeah. as a gift to a, a Chile head friend. Mm-hmm. Well, and, that, and that's the thing, like, it, it is also another one of those styles that is like, super polarizing for people that don't know what craft beer can be so it's it's a it's something that like somebody like us can show our not necessarily beer drinking friends just the the vast difference that i've not necessarily like i'm gonna give you a ghost face kill and say you're gonna get it you're gonna like craft beer now but i mean like just uh it's just something that you're gonna every, say like you're never gonna talk to me again yeah but i mean if you if you open that in like a you know a group of people like, and everybody gets like an ounce or whatever every, great for every, everybody's gonna talk about it whether they like it or not good good beer pong beer <laughs> oh certainly i'm sure you guys have likely done like i've done where you're trying to introduce someone to beer so you go and you go to the mm. liquor store and buy a handful of different things and yeah yeah sure bring in something like that to uh, a tasting would be fun just like you bring your bottle of something fruity like fruity or, mm-hmm. or whatever beer you want to taste yeah to, to say this is what beer can also be then you have to pull out some sort of belgian or another yeah this is another way beer can taste yeah i, I wonder what the traditional like belgian and french brewers would think about a cucumber saison because for us i mean the cucumber saison is not it's fairly common. I mean, there's a lot of breweries that make them. True. Yeah. Um, and a lot of them obviously do not seem to do a very good job of it. I'm sure there are plenty that do. Um, but it's one of those sort of weird styles that has become somewhat popular. Um, you know, and so it, would, it just, whereas you go to Belgium, I mean, they don't brew, that just doesn't happen. The closest you get to, you know, any kind of beer with flavor with anything is like a spiced quad at Christmas time or something like that. Um, to be curious to see what they would think, I guess. Well, we, yeah, we'd have to think that typically the Europeans would be more traditional and, and mm-hmm. less accepting, although even they are starting to uh, play with New World and uh, mm-hmm. uh, below-the-equator type hops. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what's, what's uh, shocked me in Britain is how much craft beer has exploded even in the last three years. Compared to when I visited three years ago, it's insane. I mean, you can go and get, you can get, like, cask ale in any crappy pub that's that's not just like English bitter, but you can get all kinds of I'm trying to think um, six point um, their pale ale or their IPA it was brewed on their behalf by I don't remember who some English brewery so they don't have to worry about shipping and yeah. stealing right. or anything like that exactly either. but it was brewed obviously to a similar I mean it wasn't the same recipe because it was on cask and it was I think slightly lower ABV but similar kind of thing but in like a chain pub 
Hmm. Interesting. Um, and it's exploded. And London's got, I want to say, 100 breweries now, 90 or something like oh. that. It's crazy. And they they had two or three five years ago. Yeah, I've read a few articles saying similar as well. Yeah, they, they had Fuller's and Youngs, which have obviously been around forever, and that was it. And I, I don't think there's any more. And then in the last sort of four or five years, it's exploded. Hmm. Um, and and yeah, they're they're. There are the big argument in Britain at the moment is because camera has always been has been around for decades and it's always been about cask beer, but all of a sudden there's this new thing that isn't lager and isn't cask beer, but it's not necessarily it's not bad, but it doesn't really stick to. So there's a lot of debate within camera as to you know what do we do about craft beer? Do we care about it? Is it part of what we like? And of course, a lot of the traditionalists are saying no, camera is for cask ale. No, I, I wanted was specifically Cascale. I mean, wasn't part of their the argument from camera as well the the idea of, of uh, breweries being tied to houses or um, hotels, uh, bars, whatever you want to call them over there? Yeah, well, this, I mean, the system in Britain was a lot was always a lot different because all, most pubs uh, up until the last sort of two or three decades were tied houses. So um, you went to a pub and they only served beer from that brewery and that licensee could only buy beer from that one brewery because like the rent and had franchise like how that all worked i don't know um and then every once in a while you'd have a free house which would be allowed to serve beer from wherever they wanted which similar to a bar here okay um but up until um camera came around in the 70s i think um lager was going through the roof i mean that was the hot new thing and, and cascale was declining quickly and Pubs were closing as a result, and it was so. So, camera came along to save cask beer. They didn't come along to save okay. different beer. But, but that, but at the time, cask beer was the only thing other than lager that British people knew. Okay. Um, and stouts, I guess there was a little bit of history there, but that was not. That was never a. It was always lager or you know cask beer, and that would be a brown ale or a mild or a bitter or a pale ale. That kind of range of English styles, all of them fairly moderate. There was never, you know, you were never going to walk into a bar in the 50s in Britain and order a 6% IPA with, you know, hops through the roof. It wasn't, right. yeah. it just didn't exist. So right. originally camera was definitely Cascale. Okay. But I think right now they're trying to decide if they're still just Cascale or if they're in craft beer as well. And if they are in craft beer, well, how do you define craft beer? Because is Cascale the same as craft beer? Even because there's lots of small breweries that only produce Cascale. So, it's interesting. That would be fun to follow up as, as time goes on, sure. Yeah. yeah. So, what got you into beer? What got me into beer? Uh, I guess two things, really. Mm -hmm. uh, one really good pub crawl. <laughs> uh, I think that's the best answer yeah. we've ever had. <laughs> yeah. There's a story there, I think. Uh, a night here at a local pub, and a friend who was a beer aficionado decided I needed to learn how to drink beer. Okay. I was up for the challenge, and... Do you, do you I, remember what it was that hooked you, or...? Uh, what it was, was um, tasting beer that had flavor, really. Mm -hmm. um, we were at uh, the Toad. Okay. And so you don't dare order fizzy water there, or no. yeah. they, they say horrible things to you. And so I think I must have tried six, seven, eight different beer till I found one I liked that night. And then I had a few of them. 
That's natural. That's and, fine. Uh, that was pretty much it. I all downhill from there. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And now it's a wasted life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I decided then that you know actually there's there was beer with flavor in this. This this could be fun. Yeah. And uh, you got into home brewing. Uh, home brewing came probably about five years after that. A few years oh, afterwards. Wow. And that was the other big reason that I got into beer was that walking into a liquor store around here is, is it's just painful. Yeah. The beer that I like to drink is not cheap. Nope. Uh, not readily available. Nope, not fresh. And I got tired of, yeah, running across borders, either east, west, or even south to find beers that I liked, stocking up with large amounts and filling up the car to come home. It got yeah. got to be tiresome. Yeah. So I thought home brewing would stop that. Didn't. Well, well, not, not at all. <laughs> the reality is now that I travel and I bring home a car full of beer anyways. Yeah. And yeah. make my own beer. Yeah, that's fine. It's just more to share. And my wife loves it. It gets me out of the house for a few hours at a time. <laughs> there you go. She wins. Exactly. <laughs> um, I'm going to ask you this because this is one that I, I ask a lot of uh, folks that I'm in uh, circles with. Mm-hmm. What was the beer that got you going? Kilkenny. Okay. Yeah. Nice, simple, easy drink of beer. It was, I, I was, and I, like, I've told this on the podcast a couple times, but I was literally, I was a scotch and bourbon guy. I was DD that night, and I was like, I can't bring a bottle of bourbon, or <laughs> I'm going to not be DD. So I was like, and I was in Alberta at the time, so I'm browsing the like beer section because there's a thousand different beers, and I have no idea what I'm what I'm going to buy. And I was like, four pack of a cream ale? I was like, sure, why not? It sounds all right. And... You know, a week later, I went back to the same store, and I stocked up on Unibrew, Dogfish, and Rogue. Had wow. no idea. Had no idea what I was getting into, and I've been hooked ever since. <laughs> Excellent. Slippery slope. Yeah. How about uh, you, sir? What mine are... is a bit different, because I grew up, and my dad was a cask beer drinker. He wouldn't, like, oh. he drank bitter, and he drank pale ale, so he was adamant that I wasn't going to grow up and drink lager. Because, of course, I mean, at the time in Britain, that was, it was lager or bitter, Lager or cask, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, so I got weaned onto the good stuff from. Um, I would say I would have like the odd sip when I was like twelve, thirteen. Sure. And then by the time I was kind of fourteen, fifteen, every once like maybe like Sunday dinner or something, I'd have a Spitfire. Um, so I would say it would have to be Shepherd Neem Spitfire would be the. It's actually a really nice beer. <laughs> yeah, because um, it was kind of lower. I think it was like four or four point two percent. Something Typically like English, yeah. Um, Nice pale ale, um, and it's a gorgeous beer, and it, it's readily available in Britain. So that was all, that was kind of that was my entry level. Like that's what he started me on. So incredibly um, nice. Which was which was great. I got. I mean, I'm a bit feel a bit spoiled, but indeed. Um, <laughs> and then I'm trying to think. I think when I turned 18 in Canada, I want to say my first six pack was a Fort Gary Dark, but I think it may have been something worse. <laughs> um, but, but if it was, I've obviously banished that memory. <laughs> it was a good night, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it was interesting moving back, moving to Canada because my dad, of course, had always been on the, the bitches and pale ales. And then when he moved here, Half Pints was open. So he kind of, you know, tried the Bulldog and Scrapper and then got hooked on to craft beer, even though you can't really get a ton of English-style ales here. He then, you know, later in life, he's getting into... You know, craft beer, having already been a cask beer fan, it's kind of it's a different yeah. level, right? Because yeah. there's so much, it's such a higher level. But even now, you know, I'll 
have some, you know, 11% Imperial stout. I'm like, hey, try this. He's like, oh, it's nice, but it's a bit boozy. A bit boozy. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, well, if I, when I visit, we'll go out for lunch or something and I'll have, I'll pick whatever beer, whatever beer on casket is that I want. And he'll say, oh, no, that one's 5.2. I'm going to have a th- this 3.9% <laughs> session. <laughs> I just laugh. I'm like, yeah. So I mean, numbers for us on people, that's fine, I guess. Yeah. I, I'm not driving. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> so how does... Going back to the BGC Yes, sir. Sorry. How, I, I meander a lot. We, yeah, we get up on it's targets. That's yeah. fine. This is how the show goes. Um, how do they... Like, how do they go about approving new styles? Like, who? how do they decide what becomes a new style and what is a golden stout that doesn't exist? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. It really... <laughs> Like anything in North America, it comes down to a committee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the aforementioned Gordon Strong and the rest of his folks uh, have to try and encapsulate the scene as it is with mm-hmm. all the emerging trends. And uh, there's, if you look online, you can find uh, a video of him and he's got his PowerPoint when he's announcing that they're changing the style guidelines this year. Uh, and the big joke is that there's only two styles now. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah? Dark IPA and everything else. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and that's the reality. I mean, in, in North America right now, you're probably looking, you could easily say, a dozen different types of IPA. Probably. Oh, yeah. How do you think so? Easily. Yeah. So the, the the understanding we have now with the draft that they're coming up with is they're trying to make it so it's easier to slide new styles and new beers in as they evolve. Uh-huh. We'll see. Nobody. I, I haven't seen a copy of the draft yet, but it should be out within, uh, the rumor has it, within a couple of months. But Huh. If it's not some sort of living document, you're going to be in the same situation that you're in now, where as things evolve, folks are not going to yeah. have a clue what to it's, do. It's going to be up to date for all of a month. <laughs> Could very well be. Yeah. Now. <laughs> you, you almost think like it needs to be something like kind of a moderated wiki esque kind of document, and you know, not not quite Wikipedia where anybody can go in and edit it, but you know, something where people can suggest things or make modifications much more quickly than. You know, a, a document that's published once every seven or eight years. And I think herein lies the the issues with um, those of us who are more technologically literate than others. Mm-hmm. We understand the idea of a living document that other folks can have access to, yeah. and the need to change because nothing is ever really that stable. Mm-hmm. And craft beer, with you know a thousand breweries open in, in the space of a year, there's going to be people playing and pushing edges and, and yeah. experimenting. If you don't find a way to stay live to the changes. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. Never mind addressing some of the mistakes made in the past that exist within the document. Mm-hmm. You come from over the water. You ever have a, a Scottish ale, a wee heavy or two? Um, yeah, not too many. I mean, you don't like that's the problem in 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 the south of England and Wales. You don't get that many. Oh no way. Um, you'll get obviously Innes and Gun, that whole mm. kind of crowd of not great beer. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, you get the odd other thing. I'm trying to think. Track Air House, I think we've had that here. Yeah, they have had it here, yeah. Um, McEwen's been here many times. Yeah, that doesn't really count. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you got me. <laughs> um, but, but that's about it. Like, you don't really... So, no, is the answer. Not that many. Well, our dear friend, Mr. Strong, and, and the folks who wrote the current edition that we're sitting on, uh, made a comment in... in the, the Scottish beers of them possibly having a smoked character from, from boiling the first runnings in a kettle. And so there almost isn't a brewer around who doesn't at least throw in a pinch of some sort of smoked or peated malt, mm-hmm. where historically that would have never really been done. 
Yeah. You, you wouldn't do that. If you use smoked malt, you'd use a lot of smoked malt because that's what you had. Yeah. yeah. Or... Nothing. Somebody's identified yeah. it poorly. Right. And he's, yeah, he's had to eat his words on that one a few times. Hmm. And do, like, so do existing styles, will they evolve between versions? Like, for, for example, take just a standard IPA. Is there a chance that in a ne- like in the next version that could perhaps say more of a hop flavor or more of a hop aroma based on the fact that you know IPAs these days are probably hoppier than they were a decade ago? They certainly are. Um, you're again because you're seeing uh, the things change. We've all now experienced the the 100 plus IBU beers. Mm-hmm. We are seeing IBUs coming down, but we're seeing the amount of aroma and flavor hops really going up yeah. now. And then we're putting in hops that didn't exist even just a couple of years ago. So you're seeing perhaps more uh, flavor and aroma and less bitterness. So the problem with this document is, is trying to keep up to the trends. And as well, I've totally lost my train of thought. Shit. <laughs> ah. It's all good. What if I was IPAs. IPAs. Changing uh, over time. Changing over time. Oh, uh, yeah, sorry. And then you're also trying to, within that, encapsulate historical styles. Mm-hmm. Some of which they allow to change and not others, which is really odd. Mm-hmm. If you look under the British definition of an IPA or a Brit IPA, you know they, they say traditional uh, British hops are allowed or American. Hmm. But you wouldn't dare suggest that with a German beer or someone no, yeah. beat you with the German pure. Well, exactly. Wines. And, if you, <laughs> and the, 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 the IPA one has always kind of um, puzzled me because you know if you have an English IPA in Britain, it doesn't doesn't really have a crazy hop character. There, it's there. It's mm-hmm. a little bit of it. But even even if you're looking for English hops, it's not it's not ridiculously bitter. It's not not a ton of aroma. So whatever they is they're using, whether they're using English or American, and they're probably using English. Uh, it, there's not a lot of it, and it doesn't seem to me tasting those that those were kind of you know the IPAs of the olden days that you know everybody kind of talks about. But maybe they were. I don't know. It seems that. Every example of a true legit English beer that I've had, the only ones I can think of off the top of my head that ever use North American hops are the Witchwood folks. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I mean, Hobgoblin yeah. actually has uh, some Cascade in it, but again, it, it's an English level of, of hopping, not yeah. Uh, yeah. West Coast. No, you exactly. throw as many as you can fit in the. Bed. Yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> but, but it does. It's amazing how it changes it, right? Um, just just using even using the same amounts of, you know, just one different hop can completely change how the beer tastes and that, that that's research and technologically driven right this is yeah. uh, hop readers putting out hops that have three times the, the amount of, of uh, volatile aroma inducing chemicals that the, than the British and Germans were ever using mm-hmm. so going from a 5% uh, alpha bitterness to 15 and higher up to 20 with some of these crazy new hop breeding farms you're not going to be able to keep historical beers in your style guidelines unless you actively choose to make them that way. Yeah. yeah. Which they have with some styles, but not with others. Yeah, and you'd you'd almost think that you know they'd have to have like a historical English IPA and a current one. Or... I'm with you on that. It's the only way to do it that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, same with saison. I mean, it's a, it's it's kind of an exploding trend right now. Yeah. Wonderful great beers. Mm-hmm. Um, it it has very strong historical roots as well. It was the the beer of the laborers. You mm-hmm. weren't giving them eight, nine, ten percent alcohol no. beers. They yeah. weren't going to go out and pick beans after that. Let's be yeah. realistic here. Yeah, you're going to give them a table beer anywhere from three to maybe five or six percent, and that's if it. That. Yeah. But nobody would 
put out a session strength saison right now. Yeah, no, exactly. true. And, and all six percent easily. Higher. Yeah, uh, and it's easily. Um, I mean, you wrote a blog post about um, changing beer sizes and, and um, you know, sort of the older craft brewers dropping their mainstream or their main beers because people don't buy them anymore. You know, it, some of the. Um, I'm trying to think what your example was, but I totally lost it. There, I think you, it was you, you were talking about ruination and yeah, because they retired three yeah. of their beers recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah and then they're they're getting retired, and it's because they're not strong enough. They're not like they're not strong enough in ABV. They're not strong enough in in aroma and flavor. Um, and a lot of craft beer drinkers don't don't seem to care about like they just want the next strongest, you know, booziest kick you in the faciest beer yeah and you know to a degree we are all, are all guilty of that no, I know yeah, just absolutely. as bad as the next yeah, absolutely. I go to a tasting I want to taste new stuff mm-hmm. but uh, even on that same post I, I purposely did this I just did a google search of like you know beer in fridge and grabbed the first two or three images that I saw and I put them on there and if you look in the guy's fridges lots of beers some fun beers but not a lot of the, the classics even yeah. even that these generic stock fridges had the, the, the big fun stuff Mm-hmm. You're not seeing, well, near and dear to me, it's Sierra Nevada Pale. Yeah. Wonderful beer. Yeah. Yep. Still sells quite well. But it, it, for me, seeing beers like that gone is, is, yeah, it's kind of a sad thing, yeah. you know? Oh, for sure. I agree, too. And I think, I think the other one for me is the alcohol content thing, is you just don't see enough lower. I mean, for, for us nowadays, 6% is a lower alcohol beer. Indeed. It's, it's crazy. It's true, and, but it's sad. And, yeah, and I compare that to Britain, even, where... Uh, with you, with the exception of some of the newer craft breweries, six percent is almost unheard of. You would maybe get that in a winter ale or a Christmas beer or something, um, or the very odd brewery that does a barley wine. But the vast majority of beers are going to be five point five or less. You know, lager is usually four and a half, five. A lot of the cask beer is four. Sometimes you'll even get three and a half. You know, it's way way lower alcohol content, and that's one of the things that I miss is getting beer like this, uh, like vanilla brown, that's, you know, it's tasty, but you can still have a few of them and not be out of your tree. Like, it, it's, I don't know, I miss it. You know, and those of us who, obviously like all three of us here, are, are really following the, the beer trend and stuff, we're starting to see the, the India Session Ale, or yeah. Session Ale, whatever yeah. you like to call it. So it's still vibrantly hopped, but it's not, uh, you know, take the enamel off your teeth bitter. Yeah. And yeah, now we're getting to see finally some beers where you can have more than one or two and still be able to drive or yeah. walk or crawl. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever you think. Not worry about Get it. Off yeah. Not couch. worry about it. That's yeah. a better way. Yeah. Um, and then Saison's is the other one of also Like, I mean, now Saison's are all seven. You know, people, if, people, if a Saison is less than 7%, people think it's wrong. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, which I think is horrible. I, you could have some great Saison's that are lower alcohol. And the other one for me that, with Saison's too is they get so sweet. Yeah. Now, therein is is yet another issue. Is that beer designed that way, or is that just people putting out a product that's not very good? Yeah, there are not yeah. many styles of beer that really should be sweet. No, and it, I I would argue in many beers it's one of the most common flaws that commercial brewers put out. I, mm-hmm. I would agree with that. Nothing actually. worse than yeah. an IPA that's sweet. Yeah, that's true. And and I I. As much as I love double IPAs, I find most of them too sweet, and yeah. I don't drink a lot of them. And yeah, that's why the guys who do it well are so raved about. Yeah, yeah. You can name your your perfect uh, hoppy beer here, but the handful of them that do it right, yeah. that's one of their big traits besides 
blast you with yeah. hops is is to keep it dry in the finish. Yeah, yeah, and one of the things I've noticed with IPAs, especially the stronger ones, is it matters to get it fresh. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, you can get uh, you can get a beer that's a week old and it tastes fantastic, and you get um, six weeks, two months later, it's horrible, um, which sucks because it doesn't really uh, do so well with you know distribution of. Yeah. <laughs> well, and yeah, that's that's the North American distribution model. It's terrible for it. Uh, some of them, they're beer scientists. They're really smart guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bamforth at uh, UC Davis is, is quite popular for saying for every 10 degrees Celsius, it uh, doubles the sailing rate or, or halves its life, however you want to look at it. When you think about a shipping container full of IPAs going across the country, mm-hmm. In the middle of the United States, you'd be lucky yeah. to see temperatures under 25C. Yeah. yeah, in the middle of summer. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if you're in the deep south, yeah, it could hit 40 yeah. easily. Yeah. And even if it even if it's there within a few days, it's going to be substantially different. Substantially different than when it left. Yep. Remember my, I think one of the freshest. Uh, aside from drinking out of the bright tank when you're on brewery tours. Oh my! Yeah. <laughs> That's the best. Which is always the, the best. best. Um, do you want to try this? Yes. Yes, yes I do. Don't care what it is. Yeah. Yes. What, what is it? I don't care. Uh, what, <laughs> um, I, one of the freshest beers I ever had. I was in a public supermarket in Florida, and I bought a six pack of Cigar City Highlight. Oh boy! And it had been canned three days prior. Oh my god! When I bought it, and I'm like, I'm in a supermarket, a shitty supermarket, and I'm buying three day old beer. This is amazing. Yeah. Uh, it was incredible. It was fantastic. But but even a week later, I brought a few cans home, and a week later, and you know, a couple of thousand miles on a plane, and it did not taste nearly as good. But you probably knew. Did your guests that you served it with notice? Uh, or do they still rave did about you know it? What it's it's still, it's yeah, still I still thought it was great. good, but that was my own. That was the only time I've had the beer. Yeah. So I have no other judgment on it. But that's the thing, right? Yeah. I think that, that was a great beer in a can rather than a bottle. Yeah. Hadn't been particularly warm. It was in the fridge when I at the store. It was in the fridge the whole week that I was in Florida. You know, and it was in a cargo hold that was probably pretty cool. Yeah, at altitude, yeah. You know, at altitude. So it hadn't it had obviously traveled and been shaken up a bit. And but it was a week or you know ten days. Well, um, I, I remember the last the last time we drew. It was me and Jacob drove down to uh, Grand Forks, and we went to East Grand Forks and got like Surly Furious and Sculpin and stuff like that. Uh-huh. And the the Furious that we brought back was what canned like two weeks mm-hmm. or something like that. And I drank most of mine, and then I forgot one in the fridge. And like a month and a half later, I was like, "Oh crap, I still have a Furious." So I drank it. I'm like, "Ah, oh, it's still good, but it's." definitely not as fresh and it's it's amazing how quickly a beer can change even in the right temperature and yeah stored perfectly and st- yeah stored perfectly well and then yeah. yeah you take some of the best beers in the world as far as, as the hoppy stuff and you look at the the truly big beer competitions like the GABF and such mm-hmm. like that the ones that are entered in a competition the win are not ones that you would normally pick out on say rate beer and such yeah most brewers will tell you it's probably whose is the freshest. Yeah, yeah, totally. not, not whose is the best brewed or most hops. No, you're totally right. Yeah, you absolutely. Got it today. I, I would take uh, you know I, I sort of our local IPA is a little scrapper, mm-hmm. which I've drank a lot of, and when it's fresh, it's great. Love it, absolutely love it. A couple of week, couple of months old, not so much. Yeah, you're better off to switch but to something else. Yeah. That being said, I would take a fresh scrapper over a two month or three month old highlight any day of the week. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And some styles are far more forgiving than others. Well, oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, I mean I've never had a fresh Newcastle, but I imagine they're probably pretty good when they're fresh. 
<laughs> well, no, it still tastes like shit. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, like a saison is, is made to age. It's quite fine. It's not a lot of fresh hops, so that's it's, mm. it's certainly an easily aging beer. Yeah. Uh, I mean, a sour or something with bread. Ah, leave it for a few years and see what happens. These are all depending on what you want, and what you get. But yeah. But but even those beers. They shouldn't be stored at room temperature or in daylight. Yeah. Oh, absolutely not. And it, you know, and if they're sitting on store shelves, that's probably what they're doing. Yep. Yep. You know, because you know they don't turn lights off at the end of the day. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> and I mean, yeah, you take a really fresh beer and you go sit on your patio outside. If it's a big hoppy beer, you can usually swell it going skunky within minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sitting in a retail environment under yeah fluorescent light for. 24 hours a day for however long it takes to sell the spew. Yeah. You're going to get awful beer and you can't blame the brewer. And and, you, and that goes back to the regular beers that are being retired by some craft breweries. They're sitting on the shelf longer, so they're tasting even shittier, so yep. people are buying them even less. Right. Yep. Um, what's the solution here? Fridges? It's a big part of it. Everything's better when it's it's yeah. stored cool. And then yeah. for, for folks like, like Stone... There's the the unfortunate circumstances of growing too big, where one production run for a beer is probably too big to support beers that aren't selling as well. Mm-hmm. When they're making, you know, hundred barrel fermenter sized batches, that's an awful lot of single cans to sell to somebody. That's yeah, it's not worth their time to tie up a fermenter for something that will only sell out in say three months. Yeah. Whereas they can put out a Enjoy by and, yeah, enjoy by yeah. it's sold out within minutes. Yeah, <laughs> no, you're not wrong. And like, and that's the thing. Like, they, I mean, you can also say the brewery is part of the problem itself because they are putting out all the crazy stuff. I mean, if they did want to focus on ruination and arrogant bastard, then they could put more focus on that and less on doing the enjoy buys or whatever. If, but at the same time, then yeah. somebody's gonna say, "Well, I don't drink stone because they never do anything new." No, and and you're, yeah. that's true. Although apparently that was it last year or the year before they made over a hundred different beers, many of which you wow. couldn't, many of which you couldn't have unless you went to their uh, yeah to their brew uh, pub and yeah stuff like that. yeah. Well, I think the brew pub and well, their brewery is just a, is a ridiculous complex, isn't it? It's yeah, and it's got what's it called the World Gardens or yeah, some, such some garden thing. It's it's obscene. It's it's large, and then they're expanding twice in the next couple of years, and then building a brewery in Germany. Yeah, that's yeah. one of the two expansions. <laughs> yeah. Wow, what a problem to have. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> feel so bad for them. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know, if I if, it, if I got this right, is it the owner or the brewer used to work for one of the big three? Interesting. Nice career move there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but, but but when did Stone start? What, mid-90s? Sounds fair. Yeah, sounds about right. Mid to late, maybe? I mean, where was he going to work before that? Obviously, there were other craft breweries in the States, but it was nowhere near as big as it was now. Yeah, certainly. And I mean, the big three still pay well because they yeah. only hired the best. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'd say what you will about macro beer. They do produce the exact same tasting thing in dozens of different breweries. And, you know, if, if you don't have much flavor, it's pretty impressive that you can get it to not taste like something else. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, you know, something like an Imperial Stout, you can mask all kinds of shit with that. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you certainly can. Uh, this doesn't... Yeah, it's thrown in a barrel for a year. <laughs> Throw some hops on it. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas, yeah, you buy a Budweiser in Laos, it still tastes just as good as the one in Ohio. Yeah. Well, good. Quotation. Well, yeah. good. Clean, clear. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Crisp. 
Something that I wouldn't even cook with, yeah. perhaps. <laughs> Put like soup stuff, maybe. No, I don't want corn in my soup. No, <laughs> no, no. Uh, so, you ready to wrap this up? Sure. Yeah, anything else? Okay. <laughs> You're good at that. <laughs> <laughs> Not having anything else to say. <laughs> and we're done. <laughs> so, thank you, Steve, for joining us. That was a lot of fun. Um, Colin, where can we find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Senquist, C-E-N-Q-U-I-S-T. And you can also find us at PubChat Podcast. Excellent. And Steve? On the Twitters, I am Beer Ideas. And I guess I write a little bit here and there at ideasandbeer.net. He has no idea. <laughs> um... <laughs> That was terrible. I'm sorry. What don't I know? I don't know a lot of things, but what? Uh, and you can find me. You don't want to find me after that horrible, horrible, joke. horrible attempt at a joke. Um, you know what? You, you win some, you lose some. You can find me at Adrian Trimble uh, on Twitter and, and Instagram. And um, aren't you on Tinder too? Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you have to edit that up. No, no, that's staying in. That's staying in. You can find Adrian on Tinder. <laughs> all his all his pictures are him shirtless. It's okay. I would swipe right on that. <laughs> uh, and cut. <laughs> Thanks everyone for listening. Uh, that was fun. <laughs>